All right, babies, you can go back to mom and dad, grandma, grandpa. Can we get another round of applause for those kids? I love them all so much, and they've been working so, so hard, so super proud of them. Um, Okay, so those bags, um, the kids can go ahead and open up their bags now. There's breakfast in there because we do provide um, a little snack for breakfast every morning, and I knew they would be looking for that. So there's breakfast in the bags, and there's a little puzzle that you guys can color and feel free to play along with that while Pastor Ryan is speaking. Thank you guys so much. All right. Some of y'all are like, can we do snacks and puzzles every Sunday while Pastor Ryan is preaching? Yes. <laughs> no, we're not really going to do that. Okay. Um, we have one more, one more video I want to show you. And so sometimes we like to get our kids and just ask their thoughts on things like things like how old is old and, you know, what's the best part of being an adult, you know. And so it's very insightful. Watch this short video. Twenty. Um, eight or under or older? Mm. Uh, One hundred. Sixty-one. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Ten? I don't know. <laughs> Take care of your children and do some other stuff. What does that mean? What do you think it means to be a grown-up? That you have to work hard. You have to work a lot? What's the best and worst thing about being a grown-up? You have to walk. Is that the best or the worst? Worst. It's the best. Watching TV. That you have to work a lot? <laughs> is that the best or the worst? The worst. What's the best part? The best part is when you have to take care of your children and you get to love them. You need to go to work and you don't get to sleep at all. What about the best part? You can do whatever you want to do. What do you think is the best and worst thing about being an adult? Probably having like children and stuff, and then the worst thing having to having to take care of your children. You have to walk, and um, you get to play with your children. Uh, that you have to clean. Is that the best or the worst? Um, the worst. What's the best? Um, that you tell kids what to do. Yeah. Give them a hand. <laughs> it, it, very insightful when you start talking to kids about their home life because they start, you know, you start saying what's the worst thing, you know, about being an adult, and they start just kind of parenti- parroting what they hear their parents, right? So they asked my kids. I didn't put them on the video, but uh, Kobe was like, taxes, taxes, paying taxes, you know. So uh, he, and then he's like, he wants his freedom. Uh, so, uh, so this morning we are continuing in this message series uh, called Generations, and um, we've been looking at our anchor verse, uh, which is Psalm chapter one forty five four, 
And this is one that we've just hit every week, every week. And it says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I think that's been happening in here this morning, that we have been declaring from generation to generation, whether you're 8 or 80, we've been declaring to each other that God is alive, that Jesus loves us, and that Jesus is, is, is alive from the dead. Amen? That's what we've been declaring to each other, declaring God's mighty acts. And so uh, we have participated in this uh, psalm, Psalm 145. This morning, though, I want us to go uh, a step farther and go to Joshua chapter 4. Now, we talked about Joshua a few weeks ago when we talked about Joshua and the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And if you're looking at the end of Deuteronomy, you can start looking in chapter 31, uh, and you start seeing this, this transition talk uh, that, that uh, Moses begins to prepare Joshua for. Uh, he's going to die, and Joshua, you're going to lead this people into the promised land. And so now we get into Joshua uh, chapter 4, and Joshua has stepped into the role of Moses, basically. He has stepped into this role of leading the people of Israel uh, out of the desert into the promised land, and so into what God has for them. Now, when we read this, we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 4, and uh, this is what it says. It says, and when all the nations... Had, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from out of the midst of the Jordan. And from the very place from the, where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then Joshua called the twelve men from, of the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. So these are not just tiny little pond-skipping rocks. These are large stones that, that they have taken up on their shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, and when your children ask from time from ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? That's that's it right there. I remember reading this several years ago, and it just stuck out at me. You know, when when I had my boys were real little, and they're supposed to be asking questions, and this memorial was supposed to be set up for the children to ask their parents, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and when it passed over the Jordan, of the, water, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And so our kids are supposed to be asking questions, right? This is yes. Right? Our kids are supposed to be asking questions, right? I know now you may get aggravated that your kids ask so many questions. Your kids may be in that stage, what is this? What is this? What is this? Why do we do this? Where do we go? Where are we going? Are we going to get there? You know, we're never going to get there. Hush, just be quiet. Just, just stay. Eat your goldfish, whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes we get aggravated with our kids asking questions. And my kids are uh, 14 and 16, and they're still asking questions. They're just asking different questions, right? They're asking questions. I'm like, man, I don't know the answer to that. Google it, right? And so 
there are, uh, they have questions, and they should be asking questions. And I love this part in Joshua, though, where the questions that they should be asking are questions about our faith. See, they should be asking questions about the faith that you're passing along to them. Now, and it hit me last night that you can't pass along a faith that you haven't lived on. You can't pass along a faith that you personally haven't lived on. It's one thing for you to bring your kid to church. It's another thing for you to let them hear you sing. They let, let them hear you pray. Let them see you read scripture. Let them see you live that faith out. You've got to have that happen. You've got to have that happen. And it's okay, guys. We got kids in here. It's all right. Everybody take a deep breath. This is like home, okay? So it's okay, right? And so we have kids that are asking questions, and they should be asking questions about our faith, and they should have something to ask questions about. And so when I read that part, and it says, set this memorial up so when the children ask, what do these stones mean? And I, and I just began to ask, what are those, those things in my life that become those memorials that I want my kids to reflect on? What are those things that I want my kids to look back on? Because they're not always going to be in this stage that they're in. I told somebody a little earlier, it's just a phase. Their kid was coming up here, and, and she was running up on the steps, and she ran down, and she ran back up on the steps, and mom said, it's time to go home. And, and the little girl didn't want to go home. She just said, ah, I'm not going home, you know. And uh, I said, it's okay. It's just a phase, <laughs> right? And they'll move from this phase to another phase. And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about four phases that kids will move through. Kids will move through phases from the uh, age zero, basically, to uh, high school, all the way through 12th grade. And so you have this first phase that I want to talk about. This first phase incorporates ages zero to four, where um, they're asking certain questions. There are things that they're, they're concerned about. They want to know, am I safe? They want to know, am I okay? And you know this because when you have a little kid at this stage, at this phase, and they fall down, right, you're going to pick them up. You're going, hey, it's okay. It's all right. Or maybe you're not that parent that picks them up. Um, Raina was, was reminding me this morning. She's like, a lot of times kids will take their cues from the parent. So if the parent freaks out, the kid's going to freak out, right? Anybody you learn that the hard way, right? And so a lot of times when, when, when we're getting parents to drop their kids off in the nursery, we're like, Mom, just, just say it's going to be okay and walk off, right? <laughs> you know, because if you're like, oh, I can't, I'm going to be away from you one wall away, it's, it'll be okay, all right? <laughs> they're going to be all right. See, because they're going to get their cue from you. They have to know I am safe. You have to let them know that they're going to be okay, right? That's part of what we do in this phase. It's part of what happens uh, at this stage in life. And, and so they are motivated in this phase. They're motivated by safety. They're motivated by their safety. And what we have to do as adults is this. We have to embrace their physical needs. We have to embrace that moment to let them know, listen, you're going to be okay. You are going to be all right. You know what? I think sometimes it doesn't matter how, how old you get. Sometimes you just need your mom to look at you and say, you're going to be all right. Anybody? Anybody? You, just, you can be 30 years old or, or, or like 37, which is old, right? Uh, you know, it's like, and you just need someone to look at you and say, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. 
But at this phase in life, they need us to embrace their physical needs, that they're motivated by safety at this phase. Once you move from this phase, you move from the phase of zero to four, you move to the next phase. And the next phase is the phase of kindergarten to about fifth grade. That's the second phase that they will, you'll see them move into. And they have questions at this phase. At this phase of life, they're asking a little bit different question, not just, am I going to be okay or am I safe? They're asking the question, do I have your attention? And if I don't have your attention, I am going to get your attention. You know, we, anybody know, your kids know how to get your attention, right? Uh, do I have your attention? And do I have what it takes? Do, can, can I make it? Am I going to make it? And the other question is this. Do, do I have friends? How many of you know that you've, you've seen your kids, you know, sometimes that whole friendship thing has been a struggle. You know, maybe making friends, keeping friends, and knowing how to treat your friends. And so this whole stage of trying to figure out what does, does our relationships look like? What does friendship look like? Do I have friends at all? What's, what does that look How do I make friends? And I know for me growing up in a pastor's home, um, we moved around a lot. So it was kind of like I wasn't a military kid, but I kind of knew what it was like to, to have to move around. And I was always having to make friends every time we moved. I was having to figure this out. And that was difficult at this stage because I'm, I'm, I'm coming into a place where maybe everybody already knows each other, and I'm having to learn everybody. And they're trying to figure me out. And so that was a big question for me. Do I have friends? Do I have friends? And so at this stage and at this phase of their life, um, kids are really, they're motivated by fun, right? I mean, if your kids, they just, they won't sit down. They're just all the time bouncing around, right? That's why we're doing these songs this morning because that's what they do. They're just always bouncing. They're always moving. It's like if you could harness that power, you could, you could take that and just generate power for a small city for probably a year, right? That's how much energy kids have. And so, they're asking questions. They're asking these questions. Uh, do I have friends? Do I have what it takes? What do they need from us? During this phase, if you are in this phase with, with a child, if you're a parent or maybe you're a grandparent, you have a, a, a grandchild in this phase or a child in this phase, what do they need from you? What they need from you is this. You, they need you to engage their interest. They need for you to engage them. And so being involved with them um, and, and not just kind of pushing them off on someone else, but saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to spend time and I'm going to be engaged with you and, and we're going to share this together. I know for my boys, um, it was tempting for me to try to push my interests on them. I wanted them to play the baseball, I want the, the baseball, like the Google, the Walmart. I don't know why we say that, why we put the D in front. I wanted them to play baseball. I wanted them to play football and basketball. And that's not... Things that they picked up on. They picked up on other, other sports and picked up on other things, which is okay because I wanted them to try things. I wanted them to try and figure out what were, uh, what were the things that they were interested in, the things that they could be good at. Even the things, you know, maybe they weren't good at it, but they tried it, you know, and I just say, hey, that's good, man. I'm, I'm glad that you tried that. But a lot of times it's just the fact that they tried something new. Come on, anybody, isn't that sometimes the win, that they tried something new? It might be broccoli on the plate, right? But they tried something new, right? And so just getting them and engaging them in their interests, but they are motivated by fun at this phase, and they're asking questions. They're asking questions. Do I have your attention? Do I have what it takes? Do I have friends? The third phase you're going to see them move into, and I'm having to rush, run, run through this pretty quick, I know, because we're running out of time, but, but this third phase that they, they get to is the middle school phase, right? 
How many of you remember middle school? Ooh, Mufasa. I mean, right? I mean, that's, that's a difficult time. I mean, this middle school phase, the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade time, they're asking questions still, but the questions have changed. They're asking questions, and, and, and they're motivated by acceptance during this phase. That's their motivation. They want to know, is there a place for me to belong? I remember that, man. I remember that, carrying that from middle school into high school. Is there a place for me to belong? Is there a group for me to fit into? Is there a place and, and, and people that I can call, you know, that, that, that are like me, that look like me, that, that are, 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 are kind of have my interests? And so they're asking questions, who do I like, right? Who do I like? And, and they're asking questions. When you get to eighth grade, they're asking questions, who am I? Who am I? That whole identity, it's like an identity crisis right there in the middle school. All you middle school folks that work in the middle school, middle school teachers and counselors, I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for middle school parents because kids will struggle during this time. They'll try to figure out exactly who they are, exactly what this looks like for them, who they're going to become and what that's going to look like. And so they're motivated by acceptance. And, and that's good and bad in a way because I, I want to make sure uh, that the wrong crowds not trying to accept my kid in and make them something that they shouldn't be. Come on. So we've got to be careful that we're saying, hey, I want to find a group and find a place where there's acceptance and there's a place uh, to belong. And so, so they're asking this question, uh, you know, who am I? So what do we have to do? We have to affirm them through this journey hey, this is a tough time, this is a difficult time, I understand this, I'm walking with you, but God has gifted you, God um, has made you unique who you are, and God loves you, and so I love you, and God's got a plan for your life, and, and being able to walk with them through this phase and to affirm them during this time, because they're going to move from this phase, everybody say, it's just a phase, it's just a phase, and they're going to move out of it quickly, and they'll move out of this phase from middle school, and they'll move into the next phase, which is high school. And that phase takes us from ninth grade to 12th grade. And they're asking different questions at this. Now, their motivation has changed. Uh, they're not just motivated by being accepted. Now they're motivated by freedom, you know. <laughs> they're like Braveheart at this point. They want that freedom. They are, uh, you know, they're, I can get my license, I can get out, and, and I, know, I know my son, he's like, my 14-year-old, he's like, I can't wait, I get my license, I'm going to go anywhere I want to. I'm like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you know, uh, that's how they think it works, right? So they're motivated by freedom. They're, they're motivated by uh, wanting to have that, that, that independence. So they're asking questions, they're asking these questions. They're saying, where do I belong, Right? And not, um, you know, should I believe? They say, why should I believe? Why should I believe that? I know you told me that, but why should I believe that? And so these are questions that they'll start asking. How do I matter? How, how can I matter? Can I make a difference where I'm at? Can I make a difference? Am I really uh, uh, gifted and uh, a person skilled enough to be able to make a difference where I'm at? 
And then the question, would you get right there? And, and me and Pastor Trent, we, we were part of a, a baccalaureate service here a few weeks ago, and we had a bunch of graduates standing up here. You know, the Cardenas family, you know, Julie, go Julie, graduate, you know, but they're asking, what am I going to do? What happens next, you know? And some of them may have answered that question, but they may not exactly know what that looks like. And so they're asking this question, what will I do? And so at this phase, what do they need from us? Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, even, even church family. It, it, you may have friends that are here, and, and your, their kids are, are you're cheering them on just like you're cheering your kid on, and you want somebody to cheer your kid on. And so as a church body, even at this point, what we have to do is mobilize their potential. Mobilize their potential. And that's why we do things like this this morning. It's not just so that they can come and sit and watch all the adults do church. It's so that they can come and be part of church. See, church isn't a building. Church is us. Church is people. And when we get a chance to engage them and mobilize them to being part of the fabric of the church body where they're leading worship and they're singing and they're doing the sound and they're, they're making videos and they're being part of that. It's not just one day you're going to be part of it. No, today you are the church. Today God has gifted you. Today God has called you. Today you can reach someone. Today God can use the talents and and. and what he's placed in your life. And so it is up to us to mobilize them, to move them into the future that God is calling them to. And so this is the point, one point that I wrote down. I only have one point today, and this, this is it. Kids only see now. Your responsibility is to help them connect the past, the present, and the future. See, that's what the memorial, that's what the stones were all about. When God told Joshua, he says, build a memorial. He says, because you've got to connect their past. You've got to connect them to where those who've come before them. And we sang that song, talking to Jesus. I'm just talking to Jesus. You know what? Long before I ever started talking to Jesus, my grandmother was talking to Jesus. And then she taught my mom to talk to Jesus. And then my mom taught me. And I remember getting up early, getting ready to go to school in the morning. And I would see my mom and my dad. They would be in their chairs. And they would be reading scripture. And then she would get up. I would hear them praying for me. Even doing the things that some of the times I got involved in. And they were praying for me, calling my name out. And I just, oh, man, I felt so guilty. You know, and I'm like, they're praying for me. And at that point, I was just like, please stop. I don't even want to hear these prayers. But I'm so glad they prayed them. I'm so glad they prayed them and they've taught me how to pray for my kids. They've taught me how to pray and just believe, God, you've, you've called us and not just called me as an individual, you've called us as a family. And so, guys, that's what we get a chance to do this morning is come and we're going to take communion as families. So I'm going to ask somebody to come play. Because this morning, kids only see what's right now, but we've got to help them connect the past, the present, and where God wants to take them in the future. And so this morning, I want you to go ahead. You should have some communion elements. And if you don't have one and you need some, just lift your hand up real quick. We've got, we've got some on the back. Um, they'll, they'll get you some to you real quick. Just slip, slip that hand up real quick, and they'll bring you uh, some communion elements. And we want to go through this. But before we do this, this is what the Bible says for us to do. The Apostle Paul reminds us in, in Corinthians, he says this. He says that we should examine ourselves. Before we do this, we should examine ourselves. 
that we should take time to think about, God, where are we at with you? So that's what I want us to do right now. I want you to get with your family. Maybe just put your arm around each other. And I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes, guys. And I want you just to, just, let's just ask that question, God, where are we at with you right now? Before we do this, before we take communion, God, where are we at with you right now? Is there, is, is, is there distance between us? Are there things, Lord, that, that need to be resolved? Is there, do I need to ask for forgiveness? Do I need to forgive somebody? Maybe I've been holding on to something. Maybe I've been holding on to something that's made me bitter. And, and so at this point, I'm, need, I'm saying, God, I need to forgive somebody. So this morning, let's bow our heads. Father, we just come to you. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to come together with family and friends and we can dance and shout and jump and have a good time and laugh. God, that's, you've created us to experience that. And so we experience your goodness today. We experience your blessing today. But Lord, right now we're coming and we bow our hearts and we bow our minds and we're praying that you would just examine us as we examine our own life. Maybe there's things that we do know that we need to make right. Maybe there's things right now we're just saying, Lord, forgive me of this. Forgive me for having this attitude. Forgive me for for this act that I I shouldn't have done that, but I did. God, forgive me. Lord, maybe of the things that we need to, to do for someone else. Maybe we need to forgive somebody else. And maybe that's releasing us from this prison of bitterness that we've been in. And so this morning, we receive forgiveness and we give forgiveness away. Whichever way we're on, I pray, Father, that you would work in this. Wash our lives, wash our minds, wash our hearts, Lord, by your love. Cover us through your blood. So we ask your blessing on this time. Now I want you to take that little cup and I want you to peel back the top layer.